All right, well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O. We are really happy to have you here. I want to give you a special welcome if you're newer or checking things out for one of the first times. It is great to have you kind of jump into our family gathering that we get to spend together every Sunday. And we're so excited and glad that you're here. We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and, and, and wanting to come and, and to hear from God together today. And I'm excited today because we're continuing on in this series that we are calling Invincible Joy. If you've been with us, it's an a eight-week-long series. This is the seventh message, so we are coming to the end of this series. And uh, for me, it, it's been a really powerful series because uh, we've been walking through the book of Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians. It's actually, I don't know if you're allowed to have a favorite book of the Bible, but if you are, it is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's been uh, really powerful in my life. And so it's been fun to teach through and get to be led through this by others as well. And uh, as, as we've come to this series, we've we've been reminded of the power of the gospel throughout this book. It's a, it's a letter, actually, that was written by the Apostle Paul to this church in Philippi. That's why the book is called Philippians. And Paul uh, hits on so many different things about uh, the reality of our mindset. And one of the things that he comes back to over and over and over again is this idea of joy. That's why we're calling the series Invincible Joy. And specifically, as we're coming and almost wrapping up this series, Paul uh, in chapter 4, which we're going to move into today, he really starts to press in on this idea of how we can have joy in any and every situation in our life. In, in the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul actually kind of, he, he talks about this idea of having joy even in the midst of anxiety and worry. And I think that it's pretty fitting because as we, as we find ourselves in the world that we live in right now in 2019, uh, Paul, 2,000 years ago, was writing about anxiousness and anxiety and worry. But I think more than ever, our world is dealing with and struggling and trying to navigate through this reality that many of us, anxiousness and anxiety, even mental health, it's become such a pivotal part of our life and even our walk with God. And I know from talking to many of you as, as your pastor, it's something that a lot of us are trying to navigate through and figure out what does it look like for me to walk with God even in the midst of having anxiety? What does it look like for me to walk with God even in the midst of struggling with some, some serious anxiousness in my life? And so we're going to talk a lot about that. In fact, I think it's especially pertinent to young people. Uh, social scientists say that Gen Z, the, the people who are in high school and college right now, are probably the most stressed generation in the history of the world. And I think that it's something that so many of us deal with. And so as we come to this topic of anxiety, I want to just give a quick disclaimer before we jump into uh, the message today, because I think here at H2O, uh, as Paul addresses this issue, we have to look at it holistically, right? We have to look at the, the topic of anxiety and even mental health. We have to look at it in a holistic way. That's something that's really important to us. And so as we come to talking about this reality, uh, I, I just want to tell you a couple things of, of what we believe here at H2O. We believe that it is okay, and actually it is really a good thing for those of us who are struggling, especially with, with heavy anxiety and worry. It is a good thing, and it is okay, and you're not any less spiritual for you to go and seek out professional counseling and help. 
That's something that many of us have done. That's something that I've even done as a pastor and, and worked with a counselor to try, to try to help through issues that we're dealing with. You're not less spiritual if you do that. We want you to know that here today. We also believe that even for some of us beyond that, we might even need to work with a doctor. And there's some of us that might even need to, to figure out if there's medication that we need to be on to help us with heavy anxiety. And we don't think that that's any less spiritual at all as well either. And we want to make sure that we say that because because I think that it is extremely important. And sometimes people feel a lot of guilt and shame as they deal with their mental health and specifically anxiety uh, because they've done those things. They've sought out counselors or they've sought out medication under the care of a doctor. Listen, those things are not less spiritual at all. But we also want to look at it holistically as well and say, even if you do those first two things, which are extremely important for some of us, we believe that there is a spiritual side to dealing with anxiety that every single one of us, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, can figure out how God wants to meet us in these moments of anxiousness and worry. Because whether it is a major theme in our life or a minor theme, whether it's something we're constantly dealing with or just struggling with every once in a while, all of us find ourselves in a position where we can worry and have anxiety in life. And specifically today, Paul is talking to all of us about that situation that we find ourselves in. So here's the big idea today. Here's, the big idea is this. As we seek to, to tap into the, the holistic view of how to deal with anxiety, but specifically focusing in on the spiritual side of it, uh, the big idea is this. The way that we think directly affects the way that we live life and love God. Do you believe that here today? The way that we think, the things that we allow in our minds, it directly affects the way that we live life and love God. What we allow in our minds has a direct impact on those things. And I think Paul's going to paint this picture for us in Philippians chapter 4 today. Uh, by way of example, I, I wanted to share this story about Fort Knox with you. I don't know if, if anybody's familiar with Fort Knox. There's going to be a picture of Fort Knox that comes up here. But the really interesting thing about Fort Knox, it's in uh, Kentucky and rural Kentucky, and I, I didn't know that until this week, but Fort Knox is most likely the most heavily guarded place in the whole world. Okay, it's, it's in rural Kentucky, but it is probably the most impenetrable place in the whole world. Uh, the, the walls around it, they, they are uh, four foot thick granite. They're lined with cement. They have steel and fireproof material on them. The front door alone of Fort Knox, it weighs 22 tons. How would you like to knock on that door? 22 tons, just the front door alone. To, to even get in, like an average person can't go inside. You have to have top level security clearance in order to enter into uh, Fort Knox. And beyond that, they have state-of-the-art surveillance. I mean, if anything gets even remotely close, not just around the fences, but anywhere within miles of this area, there is somebody tracking what is going on, and they are watching everything that happens. This place is on complete lockdown. In fact, it was built to withstand a direct hit from an atomic bomb. Isn't that amazing? Uh, this place is completely locked up. And you say, okay, well, well what's the point? What, what is, is so important about Fort Knox? Well, it is under strict lockdown, and people aren't allowed in because it contains something very valuable. Fort Knox holds all the gold reserves that our, that our country has. About $300 billion worth of gold sit in that building in rural Kentucky. And, and there's also been documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Magna Carta that come in there. And so it is on lockdown because there is something extremely valuable inside. 
And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this reality that the more valuable something is, the more care we take to guard it and protect it, right? The more valuable something is in this world, the more care that we take to make sure that nobody can get to it, or at least the wrong type of people can't get to it. And as we come to this passage today, Paul's going to say that same thing should be true with our minds. That same thing should be true with our hearts. That our minds and our hearts, they are so extremely important, and they are so extremely valuable that God wants to use us, and so we have to guard what comes in our minds. We have to guard the influences that we allow to be in our hearts, and as we do those things, all of a sudden, worry and anxiety, they start to fade away when we let the right things into our mind, when we guard it with the care because we know that it is extremely valuable. And so with that being said, let's open up to Philippians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 4. We're going to take a few breaks throughout this passage, and we're going to pull out from Scripture what God has for us. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's this really famous verse. It's kind of the keystone verse of this whole book. And Paul writes this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And I'm going to stop there because it leads us to our first point. Our first point is this. Joy can be found in any situation when it's not based on our circumstances. Joy can be found in any situation when it's not based on our circumstances. Now, uh, here's a pop quiz. If you've been with us for any amount of this series, I hope that you know the answer to this. It'll make me feel so good as a pastor. Where was Paul when he wrote this letter? Somebody can say it. He was in jail. Thank you. Yes, we've said that every week for, the, for this whole series. Okay, this guy 2,000 years ago, Paul, is in a Roman prison. He's in a Roman jail. He's under surveillance 24-7. And we have to imagine that the circumstances that he found himself in were not very uplifting at all, right? If anybody had a reason to complain, if anybody had a reason to be upset, if anybody had a reason to pout, if anybody had a reason to have a negative attitude, it would have been Paul because he was in jail for just trying to share the love of Jesus with people. And yet he finds himself in this jail and he writes these words to this church that now apply to us, listen, rejoice, have joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. You see, his rejoicing came not from his circumstances, but from his standing with God. And I think for all of us, we have to take note of that, that if we want to be able to have joy, no matter where we find ourselves, when we're in the mountaintops of life or when we're in the valleys, we have to realize that our joy, it can't be based on the circumstances. Because if it is, we're going to live life in a roller coaster. We're going to be up when things are going great, and we're going to be down when things are going terrible. But if we base our joy, our mentality, our attitudes, and our standing with what Christ has done for us, our standing with God in the gospel, then we can rejoice in any situation. See, Paul isn't just calling for some general happiness or optimism that has no basis in reality. He's not saying, just put on a smiley face and just go out there and face the day. No, Paul is saying, listen, I want you to rejoice, but there is a reason for your rejoicing. Without Jesus, there is no reason to rejoice. But in Christ we can rejoice no matter what. We can rejoice always. Now, some of us, and this is hard to, to 
actually apply and live out, right? It's easy to hear, but it's a little bit harder to apply and live out. Some of us, we kind of just live our lives saying, I'll rejoice, I'll be happy when things start to fall into place for me. When I get that promotion, when I get the grade that I want, when I start dating the person that I want to, to date, when, when God does something for me, then I'll rejoice. But until then, I'm just not sure if I can do that. And Paul says, listen, don't wait for your circumstances to change. Start rejoicing now and see how the beauty of living in the freedom that comes from knowing that God is near knowing that God is close to you. And so I wonder about you. Have you been able to, to put that into practice in your life? Have you found yourself in a situation that much of the world may have looked at and said, oh, there's no happiness there, there's no joy there, but because you know Jesus and you're standing with God, you've been able to rejoice. That's the type of joy that Paul calls us to. He says it's not just general optimism. It is a reality of knowing what God has done for you and how that can change your perspective in life. Let's jump back in, because here's where Paul starts to talk about this idea of anxiousness and worry. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Man, Paul, those are pretty hard words. Don't be anxious about anything. We have a lot that we could be anxious about, don't we? As you go throughout life, you start to think of all the different things we could worry about. But Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Isn't that what we long for? Peace. See, the second point is this. Worry, anxiety, it's a signal that it's time to pray. Worry and anxiety are a signal to those of us who know Jesus that it is time for us to seek Jesus. Every single one of us can do that, no matter how severe or minor the worry or anxiety may be in our life. It's, it's like you're driving in a car, and, and maybe you've found yourself in this situation before. And if you're driving in your car and the check engine light comes on, something should go off in your head that, hey, there might be something wrong with my car. So pretty soon, I need to go take it to somebody to look at it. It's a signal that there's something that should, that, that's happening underneath the hood that needs to be addressed. And the same is true with worry and anxiety in our life. As we start to feel that, that worry and that anxiety, it should be like this, this signal that, hey, maybe God wants to do something right here. Maybe God wants me to connect with him around this issue. Maybe God cares about the very thing that I am so worried or anxious about. You know, I, I heard a pastor say this, and it really stuck with me. He said, uh, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. And if it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, then it is on God's heart. Because listen, God describes himself as a perfect father to us, right? And so a perfect father loves his children so much. And the things that are on our minds are simply on God's heart because he loves us and he cares for us. And so Paul is saying, listen, listen, that anxiety and that worry that you have in your life, you can actually use it as a connection point with God, as a way to connect with him. And as we do, we experience this peace that starts to transcend our circumstances and we guard like Fort Knox is guarded, and we guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus because we stop fixating on the problem and the issue, 
and we start focusing on our God who loves us and cares, cares for us. You know, for, for some of us, worry and anxiety, it, it's kind of like this counterfeit way to try to control a situation, isn't it? And it's almost like we feel like if we worry about things enough, then, then maybe we can have some control on the outcome of the situation that we're dealing with. But isn't it beautiful to know and just release that to God and say, actually, you know what, God? I don't have any control. I'm not uh, omniscient. I, I don't know everything. I'm not all-powerful, but you are, God. And so as I release my anxiety and my worry to you, I'm releasing it to the only one who can actually control the outcome of the scenario that I find myself in. Man, that's so freeing, and it brings peace, which transcends our own understanding. I asked my wife if I could share just a little bit about her story. Uh, if you were at the Women's Connect, my, my wife shared a little bit more in depth about some of her struggles with anxiety and worry. And, and she's somebody who, who, for her whole life, has had uh, anxiety as a pretty major part of, of who she is. And I remember when we first started uh, dating and we started getting married, was, she, she just thought it was like part of her personality, you know? It's just kind of who I am. I, I'm a worrier. But as she started to study the Word of God and she started to read and be transformed by the renewing of her mind, she started to realize, wait a minute, that's not who I am. That's not part of my personality. That's something that God wants to use and root out of my life and draw me closer to him. And, and, and she even shared, she, she shared this with me one time, and I thought it was really interesting. She said, you know, I always felt like if I wasn't worrying about something, I wasn't being responsible. It was almost like it, it, I needed to worry about something to actually be responsible because that's what a responsible person does. They worry about all the things that are important. And she said, as I started studying God's word, it started transforming my life as I looked to the words of Jesus. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Just seek me and pray to me. She said, I started to experience freedom. And man, it has been one of the greatest joys of my life to watch my wife somebody who struggled pretty heavily with anxiety, start to experience freedom day in and day out. She's been such an amazing example to me and an amazing example of so many other people, of not just settling for, oh, I guess that's how I am, but saying, God, what do you want to do? Where do you want to meet me in this pain of anxiety? And God, how can I release it to you so I can walk in freedom? And it has been powerful to watch her live this out when she starts to get anxious, she goes and seeks the Lord, and something happens within her, and it is amazing to see the peace that she has. And she's not perfect like none of us are, but I can tell you from living with somebody for the last 17 years who has lived this verse out that as we seek God, we can experience more and more peace in our lives, even for those of us who struggle heavily with this idea of anxiety and worry. God wants you to experience freedom. He's your father. You're his child if you know him. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's jump back in with this final section. It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about those things. Think about those things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, third and finally is this. The way that we think matters. The way that we think, it, it really does matter. And, and sometimes in our world, there can be this, this tendency of just this power of positive, positive thinking. And, and some of us, we feel like, oh, I'm a little bit skeptical of that because sometimes it can fall into the self-help category and not be based in the gospel. But here we see Paul say that, listen, Jesus wants us to have this power of positive thinking, but it's not based in us. It's based in the beauty of the gospel. It's based on whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is lovely or admirable or pure, think about those things. Paul says your mind, it is so valuable. So don't just let anything in there. Guard it. If it truly is important, then guard what you let in here. And if you're letting garbage and junk and negativity into your mind, then it will flow out of you. But if you guard your mind in Christ Jesus... And do what Paul says. Think about the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. There is peace. There's peace. And that is so beautiful. Have you ever noticed that it's so much easier to be negative than it is to be positive? You guys have probably seen that, right? You've probably experienced that in your life. You know, if, if you live in a residence hall, you probably can see that, that people tend to gather around the negative news. If you work a job, you know that people tend to get together, and the first thing that usually comes up is what negative is going on. It's easier to complain about your boss than it is to give them praise. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. We're oftentimes drawn to negativity, but listen, that's the easy way out. That's the easy way out but it doesn't benefit us at all in the long term. And the more of that we allow into our lives and the more of that we allow into our minds, that will flow out in the way that we live. But if on the opposite side, we only allow what is true and lovely and pure, then that will directly affect the way that we live life and love God. You see, that the things that we value most, we guard most as well. Paul addresses how to have peace. He tells us, listen, if you want peace, if you want to rejoice, here's how you can do it. He gives us this formula, so to speak. In, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, if you want peace, you need to think right. You need to have right thinking. Think about the things that God has done for you. Think about the beauty of the gospel and fixate on that. And in Philippians 4, 9, he says, you need to have right living. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, Put it into practice. So when we think right, it transforms the way that we live and we start to live for God. And when we're thinking right and we're living right, the peace of God is with us. And that's the power of the gospel. See, I want to tell every single one of us here today that no matter where you find yourself in Christ, there is a place for rejoicing. The, the truth of the gospel is this, that every single one of us has been separated from God. In our own sin, there is so much negativity and brokenness and pain. But that's why Jesus came to this earth and this world. 
He came down to earth in the form of a man. He went to the cross and he died for our sins. And he took all that negativity and brokenness and pain on his shoulders when he died for us on the cross. And when he defeated death and rose from the grave, all of a sudden we get to experience the freedom of new life when we repent, when we turn from our old life, from our sins, and say, God, I want to offer you my life. I want to live with you and walk with you for the rest of eternity. And as we do that, it transforms our hearts and our minds. See, today on your way out, we, we got these bracelets. If you want to grab one of them, they just say invincible joy. And now our, our hope and our heart is we're starting to wrap up the series this week and next is that the things that we've learned and we've heard and we've seen put into practice would overflow into the way that we live. Our hope and our prayer is that as Paul encourages us and challenges us to be women and men who think on the things that God has done for us, that we would walk in the freedom of the gospel, and that would transform the way that we live and transform the people around us as well. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to worship God for what he's done and encourage one another to draw closer to him. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the beauty and the power of the gospel. And Lord, even as we think about the depths of your love for us, we can't help but rejoice. We can't help but be thankful because, God, you're so good. Lord, even when we don't deserve it, you pour out your love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Jesus, you died for us. God, would that transform the way that we think? knowing that we are valuable enough for you to leave heaven and come to earth and die for us. And God, would that transform the way that we live? Knowing that if we truly follow you, we want to walk in your footsteps. So God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and for what you've done in our lives and in our world. God, would we guard our hearts and our minds in you as we seek to have the peace that only you can give us. In your name we pray, amen.